What's up, everybody? Brad Petty back again from NPI Entertainment. I am sitting down with Terry Urban, my friend who currently resides in Los Angeles. What's up, Terry? What's up, Bradley? How are you, buddy? I'm well. Terry and I met uh, probably about, if I had to guess, maybe 15 years ago. Uh, Something like that, dude. 15, yeah, gotta be. I remember actually the first time I met you, it was at Cloud Nine on West 9th Street in Cleveland, Ohio. And you were DJing, and I think it was like a happy hour party because it, it was early on, and afterwards you sat at the bar, and it was me and Jude and you, and we were all sitting there talking. And he had known you, and I got introduced to you. I don't know how yeah. I remember that. I think I kind of remember the first time I meet each of my DJ friends. So I was thinking, yeah, about absolutely. That I feel I feel the same way about that. I, I always remember the first time that we uh, meet each other and shit like that. As far as any kind of DJs like that, yeah, it's weird how that works like that. Also, and, I was just talking about Cloud9 the other day, too. That's so weird that you brought that up. And maybe, I don't know if it was Cloud9 or Anatomy, but it was that that venue, you know, that same spot. Yeah. Did you play at Cloud9? Absolutely. That was, okay. actually, that was my first, that was my first, like, paying gig was Cloud9. Because uh, Mick Boogie, Mick now, um, he was, he was DJing with Arnold Hines, who was a club promoter. Yep. And... And they heard about, or I was already DJing there. And then Arnold kind of was like, hey, do you want to jump on this night? And I was like, yeah, sure. And that's how I met Mick as well. And that's what, that was my first paying gig. Okay. So it was yeah. probably Cloud9. Um, that was a cool spot. I remember, uh, I think it was Jody was the owner. Yes, Jody, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, so that's still around now. It's the, the park. I don't know if you've ever been there. No, I have not. Still oh, yeah, cool. It's the same thing as as it used to be in Cloud9, right? Yeah, different different owner and kind of the same thing. I was looking at your Wikipedia, and it probably was around the same – that was probably around the same time. So you were born in Cleveland. You graduated from school. You moved to San Diego to pursue a career in skateboarding, try to become a pro, right? Uh, Yeah, well, when I got out of high school, I was skating throughout high school. And when I got out of high school, me and my homie, we, we drove across to San Diego and wanted to become pro skaters. We were living with a bunch of pro skaters in San Diego, like in this whole development, like the whole, like this is like 96, I think, 97 maybe. And it was like World Industries, uh, all the pros out there, like Chad Knight and, and all these cats like that. Um, Mark Johnson, all these Maple guys. It was a bunch yep. of anyway, a bunch of other, a bunch of Southern Cal um, skaters. And I was out there for a couple of years, and I was 18, dude. I couldn't, I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing out there, right. just skating and partying. Basically, that was kind of my college years, basically. Which I didn't go to college, but those were my college years. When I was little, I went on a trip to San Diego with my um, my cousins, and I took my skateboard, and at night when the family was just like chilling, watching movies or whatever, I'd go skate around the neighborhoods of San Diego. And then like during the day, we'd go to like Mission Beach and, um, oh, yeah, totally. and, and yeah. Like, uh, Pacific Beach and all the yeah, different spots. And I remember seeing yeah. these dudes just like ripping it up. Yeah, man. That was crazy that you brought that up because PB was like one of the best spots to hang out and chill. But there was a lot of tweakers back then too. And um I remember seeing like Steve Olson and all these cats like skating down the street and I was like in awe back then, you know, it was crazy. 
I remember I met a guy, um, I was skating at some school by myself, you know, it's like nighttime and I met some dude and I can't remember who he said he lived with. He's like, oh yeah, you know, you're, the, he, he was skating too and he was older. He's like, you know, so-and-so. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, that's my roommate. Come on, I'll give you some t-shirts. And we went to his house <laughs> and he started pulling out all these, all these clothes and just giving them to me. That's, that's how it was back then though, dude. The flow was crazy back then as far as like being, if you're riding amateur or riding pro. Yeah. Like we all, we all, we all had free clothes all the time. Yeah. The good old days, right? Yeah, exactly. Just like the record industry getting tons of free music and really everything else. Uh, absolutely. Well, when I moved back home to Cleveland after San Diego, cause I think I got busted by the cops. I think it was, and I had a warrant out for my arrest. And I moved back. I paid my, I paid my, my whatever the off, the, the, the um, worn off, and then moved back home to Cleveland. And then that's when I started DJing. But, and then I'm kind of going forward a little bit. But yeah, I used to work for 107.9 back in the day. And that's when we were getting free records all the time, too. Just yeah. records shipped to you constantly all the time. You know, it's funny, as you mentioned, Mick, I, I went to, a, um, I remember when he was living above House of Blues, and I went to, a, like a fourth of july party or something he was doing and he had all his crates of records out and he's like man i just want to get rid of those this is when i think final scratch came out or whatever the first thing was and uh i ended up just buying them from him and putting them all in my truck that day are you serious <laughs> like i bought like 10 10 crates of records and they're all like you know 12 inch promos and stuff yeah yeah i think i remember that actually because me because i was living right next door to nick at that time and I think we were moving, we were both moving to New York at that time as well, because we want to get rid of a bunch of our records. Well, yes. almost all of our records, because you couldn't, because New York is a very minimal kind of place to live, you know? So you right. couldn't have crazy and crazy of records. Right. You know, so you were, basically. yeah. So when I met, so when I met you, you were, you were in Cleveland, you were DJing that led to 107.9. And then that also led to, um, what was it, uh, Sirius or you had? Uh, it was, it was 107.9 and then it turned into Sirius Satellite Radio. Like I, I got a gig doing that too, like on Shade 45. And then, you know, doing like parties for LeBron James, like birthday parties, Halloween parties, barbecue. It just got to the point where I reached a plateau with Cleveland. I was like, I can't do this anymore, dude. So I moved to New York to, you know, pursue a career in DJing to another level than what Cleveland could do for me. Cleveland did it as much as possible for me. They couldn't do anything more. So I had to move somewhere where there was more connects. Right. Which is usually the case. You, you kind of yeah. reach, reach the top in Cleveland and then got to go to a bigger market and meet, yeah, some more, meet some more people and be in the right circles. And um, so you DJed in New York for how, how long would you say you were, you were playing out in New York? Oh man, probably. I lived there for twelve years, I think. So, so probably most of that time, you know, I was living in Brooklyn, moved to Brooklyn, and I lived in Brooklyn the whole time I moved or lived in um, New York. I lived in Brooklyn like all twelve years. Yeah, it was. I lived in Park Slope. I lived in um, Williamsburg, and I lived in Bushwick. And for that whole period of time i i think one year was the last year that i moved lived there was not i wasn't djing at all so i was djing that whole time so i'd say 12 years or so so 12 years that was probably DJing in new york 
yeah, so that was like probably when Williamsburg was like popping off and like mm-hmm. the yeah. dance rock scene was going off and all the yeah it was uh it was it was a lot of open format dude there was a lot of open format at that time period and then there was a lot of you know like you said indie stuff you know well and and the funny thing about open format then versus open format now is open format then 12 years ago was like what i really consider open format like you're playing the strokes into you right. know, into MIA, into right. The Clash, into Biggie, right. whatever. Now open format, like everyone just says they play open format, but they're pretty much just playing all hip hop. Yeah. And, like, and then like EDM at, you know, 1 a.m. 1 um, yeah, an 80 BPM tempo and then a 120 BPM tempo. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I miss those days of like real open format, which goes back to like the beginning of DJing, which is a whole... Like- yeah, absolutely. Like the during that whole DJ AM time, you know. Right. So one thing we skipped over when you were skating and DJing at the beginning, you were also really into graffiti. When did that start? Watching videos, skateboard videos like Zoo York videos and like um, blind videos, and you always heard like '90s hip hop or like or like punk, you know, or like you know surf rock. Uh, there was a lot of graffiti influence in it and there was a lot of scratching influence in it. So I think that has a lot to do with um, how I got into DJing and then how I got into graffiti. Graffiti was just me being bored basically and, <laughs> and hooking up with some, some dudes that were already writing graffiti. And then it, it went from drawing on black books, writing my name on black books to hopping over fences and into train yards and painting on trains, you know, and running from yep. cops. So yeah, it got, it got to that level. I was, I was, I was a total graph rat for a long time, but then DJing kind of pushed me out of that because I saw how I was talented enough to DJ too. So also I saw that I was able to get paid DJing and I didn't have to run from the cops anymore. Right. So I basically put art on the back burner after after I realized that graffiti wasn't going to pay me any money and DJing was doing all the work for me, you know, which sure. was put on the table. So, so I then, kind of put art on the back burner at that time. And that was like 15 years ago or so. I don't know. 20 years gonna, ago. I was going to say fast forward 15, 20 years. And now it's kind of reversed. Absolutely reversed, dude. It's so weird. Cause um, I'd say about five, six years ago, I started um, painting again and it's like it's like uh in wizard of oz when dorothy's goes from black and white to color you know in wizard <laughs> of oz that's that's how it felt for me i think it was just that time period in my life where i needed some kind of creative outlet that was different than um going to one oak and djing and just having the manager screaming in your ear to play this song five times because this guy just bought a bottle right. that's gonna, you, know, you know what i'm saying i just got over it it was like robot kind of kind of skills at that time i wasn't doing anything creative with it anymore i was burnt out on it so i needed some kind of other creative outlet and when i when that paintbrush touched that canvas dude it was all over do you think that the the era of of the dance music that you were in at that time played a part of it i mean that was probably like what like during like dubstep and like really when bad, i bailed we're really bad top 40 and yeah like do you think that when that I had bailed a, yeah, yeah. Do you think that well, was a part? When I bailed, when I bailed on um, DJing, it was EDM was just starting its craze, where 
where everybody was an EDM DJ, you know what I'm saying? And also you got to remember this. I was living in Tokyo too for a while. So I was going back and forth from Tokyo to New York for like three months. I'd be in Japan, three months I'd be in New York and another three months in Japan, another three months in New York. So I was doing like six months out of the year in New York and then six months out of the year in um, Tokyo. So in, in, in Tokyo, when I was playing in Tokyo, I was playing huge clubs in Tokyo, like four floor clubs. And you had to keep it banging all night long, you know, like for two, three hour sets. And you're completely burnt after that. You know, you're partying constant all the time. So it was just, it was just like, I was, I was over it. When you started painting, did you, I mean, what did you do? You just locked yourself in your apartment yeah. and just started painting? Uh, I tell the story to a lot of people as far as like when they ask me this question and I had was dating a Japanese girl at the time and we had just broken up and I went into like this I don't know if I went into a state of depression because of her and my life or it was just my life I don't know what it was but I went into this like three four day like laying in bed like kind of depression almost reaching 40 at that point, I think it was. Like, I was like 35, 36, you know? Kind of like a, I don't want to call it a midlife crisis, but that's kind of what it sounded like to me. Right. But that's what it felt like to me. My buddy Anthony, he was like, hey, why don't you paint me uh, something for my living room, you know? And I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna open that can of worms, you know? And as soon as I did, dude, it was like a hard drive was like literally plugged into my brain and just like released all this uh, info and like um, wisdom and, and openness as well. You know, like I was open. I was looking at the streets more and like talking to people more and like looking at artwork that I never looked at artwork before that way. So it was just so wild. Like looking at Warhol, I knew who Warhol was, you know, but also looking at like Joan Moreau and shit like that, like people that I normally didn't look at. And I was starting to look at it that way because I understood how they felt and how they were painting now, you know, and the techniques yeah. that they were using. So it just opened up my mind to everything, dude. It made me more happy as a person as well. Was your goal to sell art? No. My goal at that time was to just be happy. So I was really, I was partying a lot and I was, and I was in a dark time in my life. And um, I just needed, you know, I need some other kind of creative outlets. I had no idea what those I was doing. I just knew I took my old skills that I had with art and kind of incorporated it into my new shit and was just, it was something new. I was, I kept, and it was, and it was creatively right there in front of me. Right. So I was like, it was instant creative. It was instant creativeness, like onto a piece of paper, you know? this is this is real right here this is this is something that i want to start to continue to do and i'm a gemini so when i find something that interests me i completely go down a huge wormhole or you know way down like alice in wonderland style yeah. and just examine and and uh invest all my time into it so that's what i did you know and then if and then eventually luckily enough my followers of instagram they were stoked enough to see my artwork and they were like all right shit we're gonna keep following this one you know so yeah, luckily people, it, it kind of piggybacked off that's perfect so people who followed you because you're a, a good dj loved your art as well yeah yeah so I'm, I'm i'm stoked that that happened because you know i could have been a great i mean i know i know i can i know i can dj well 
and I know a lot of people love my mixtapes. I could have been a shitty artist, you know, <laughs> a real shitty artist. It, watch but, those followers go down. Right, you know. How did you take it to the next step? Obviously, you've got all these followers online, but then there had to have been something that you did to spark this next phase in, 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 of your life and your career. You know, uh, I've seen you've done collabs. You you you're selling art. You know, what yeah. was like the first thing that kind of jump started all that? Probably when I sold my first piece. You know. Yeah. So I was it just that, like some random person? Um. Yeah, a lot of it was like giving away shit first, you know, like, yeah, I'll, I'll paint you something, you know, like something like that. But then eventually people started asking about my work and I was like, oh, wait a second here, you know, and then I started doing art shows and people started buying my art at art shows. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to take my DJ, my DJ um, entrepreneur, like kind of vibe that I did there. Yeah, your and hustle. Bring, yeah, and, and bring that hustle to, um, the art game and and remember my um do's and don'ts of that hustle as a dj and bring it to the art world but i still don't know shit about the art world as it is dude there's so much to learn that i'm still learning about well, you know sometimes that's a good thing and also it's a good thing that you had those skills from being a dj because a lot of times artists you know i deal with a lot of musicians it's like a lot of times they don't know that side of of the world like when it comes to marketing and business and and yeah. you know how to create a buzz you know, they're really good at just like creating something, but then they don't know what to do with it. Brad, dude, it, I tell you what, dude, if I, I wish I had an agent as far as emailing, as far as, you know, pitching out the ideas to a certain people, you know, the collabs and all that, doing all yeah. the talking. I wish I had something like that, but I, I so far, I, I don't have anybody that does that for me. I have to do it on my own. So mm -hmm. I've learned the do's and don'ts, or you know, like the trade as far as doing the hustles on the, the, the left brain side and the right brain side. Right. So the, then, the next step for me, Brad, is to get someone to do that for me. So all I have to do is create the rest of my life. You know what I'm saying? And they can just make the money for me. Well, yeah. It's always nice when you can just focus on what you do best, right? Right. Um, tell me about some some big things that have happened with you in, in the art world. I mean, I, I follow you online and I see you, you know, going to different places and and working with different companies and whatnot. Um, I don't know, can you just talk about a few things that you've done? Uh, murals for like clothing lines, like Rag and Bones. So we're in then like doing collabs with like artists as far as like wearing leather jackets and stuff like that. Like, I think one of the big things that's happened as far as like uh, people knowing my artwork is this jacket that I painted a long time ago, like three years ago, I think it was, it was, it was a jacket that I painted, it's white leather, and it has scrolls on it. I said, never say die on it, but it just so happened that um, the, the company that I work with, for those who send, they, um, they lent the jacket out to Little Pete, who was a rapper that passed away a couple years ago. Or, and um, he wore the jacket for a video shoot, and he never gave the jacket back. <laughs> the stylist <laughs> never grabbed the jacket. Nothing else. And we were like, yo, where's the jacket? You know? And, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get it, we'll get it, you know? But we never got the jacket. And he just so happened to wear it constantly all the time, dude. So there's pictures of him with it on. There's video with him and on. And then now there's the Netflix documentary with it. He's in it. The, the jacket's in it the whole time you know what's so, funny is is i just and this wasn't even planned um yeah. i just watched that like two nights ago 
Yeah. And yeah. I and I didn't even know the story, but I I knew instantly it was your artwork from. Yeah. I think I like you probably posted that artwork before, right? Um, or maybe I just yeah. knew your style. I don't know. Well, it's it it was it was crazy because when he passed, you know, every for some reason, every, oh no, we did a we did like a remembrance, like a like like a remembrance for him, like kind of like a. I think we did like a release of like the leather jacket because people kept asking about it. I think it's been so long ago, but I think people were DMing us all the time, like, "Hey, do you know anything about this jacket?" Like, blah blah blah. And we were like, "Damn, we should probably do like a." Um, something for him you know as far as when Pete passed and um and maybe release a couple jackets and then when we did that dude it was like it was like basically like a supreme um release dude people like they sold out within like I think it was like 15 seconds maybe Whoa. they sold out I think it was like I don't know how many jackets we did like 30 jackets or something like that so we hand painted all the jackets anyway so yeah that was probably a big um you know saying for for me as far as people knowing my artwork you know murals and other collabs with other people as, as well you know and i'm still trying to collab you know trying to do a vans collab trying to do <laughs> anything cool like that collab you know have you done um obviously the the little peep is in the music industry but coming from the music industry have you circled back and done or album artwork like albums or talk to any artists about even other clothing or, or things like that like has that come up yeah absolutely all the time um from i mean i've done jackets for uh migos uh jay blavin you know like all, all those uh bad bunny all those dudes you know d did that i can't really talk about it right now but i've got an album cover coming up hopefully fingers crossed so yeah Nice. But, um, but yeah, it's, it, you know, you, I took those connections with the music industry, you know, and, and obviously brought that in with me somehow. I would love to do album artwork all the time, dude, you know, because being a DJ, you, uh, you know how it is, dude, when you're digging through the crates, yeah. looking for whatever, and you see an album cover, and you immediately are attracted to the album cover, and then you're obviously going to be stoked on the music, maybe, you know, I love album covers, and I, you know, I would love to do more as far as that is concerned, yes. So are you totally done with, D like, do you ever get hit up for DJ gigs? And, and like, you do, what do you say? Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, people hit me up all the time for DJ gigs. Um, I, I still do that party in Cleveland, you know, I got five on it. Um, that's party's been running for probably 15 years now, I think it is. Yeah. So I still do that because it's just fun to do, you know, and it's just, and it's good to go home and see the family and, the, and my friends. So I still, I'm still doing that once a month. But other than that, dude, I'm not taking any gigs unless it's like super, super, super high pay and a good look, you know, yeah. or it's a place that I've never been before. Like, I remember I did this gig for these guys for his, I did a uh, wedding for his daughter and I did a wedding for his son within the next two years of each other. But both places were so sick and the second one they're like hey do you want to do this and i was like ah, i don't know and they're like well it's in maine i was like oh shit i was literally that day looking up trips to maine and i was like all right i'm taking it <laughs> you know nice so, so if it's stuff like destination that, yeah. dj gigs you're down with <laughs> yes exactly yeah nice but other than that i'm just burnt on it bro i'm so burnt so you left I, mean, I miss it though i miss it sometimes you know i mean i feel like once a dj always a dj it's in your blood Absolutely. I always Absolutely. think it's funny when I see my friends post something like, 
this year or like today i've i retired from i'm like well <laughs> it's like jordan yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um you know what you know what's crazy brad is i don't know if you do this or not but every time i go to a club or like a bar or anything like that i'm immediately i'm 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 antisocial until i start getting a little liquor in me but i'm i immediately go to the to the dj booths and like hang out by the dj booths you know i'm it's always like, at. i'm always like at dude, like, comfort zone it is dude and and this is this is been like that for years dude it's it's just a, it's a total comfort zone it's like a wall that you can just protect yourself on it's so well weird. like when i was young before i even started djing and i'd go to parties i would always go straight to the stereo and just like try to take over try to take over you know yep. I mean? like popping yep. cds in and like just basically djing yeah absolutely dude i remember when i was little um i would listen to like velvet Vaux and like and i forget what the college radio station was but dude i would literally take a tape deck and record whatever it was and i i would i had a double cassette tape you know like one and two yeah and i would um record from one tape to the other tape and hit like the rewind button like i was scratching and shit on there yeah. and it was, yeah, yeah. i would just make my own mixtapes before i i even knew what turntables were about you know yeah for sure i did the same thing um, wild so you left uh what when I started this this interview out with you, I said that you're in LA. Um, so you left New oh, yeah. York after 12 years and went to yeah. what like recently, right? January 1st, I moved out here. Yeah. What sparked the move? I was tired of um, not, not being in nature constantly, dude. I I got the nature bug in me a couple years ago. I think it's when I started painting too. Um, I got the nature bug in me and I kept going out West coast to like explore mountain ranges and, you know, go hiking and do gnarly nature shit. And I, I started noticing that I wasn't able to do it in New York as much as I wanted to, you know, cause there was, there's like upstate and then you got like Vermont and you got Maine and shit like that, which is dope, but I want big shit in my life. You know, I want big mountains, you know, yeah. I want, I, I'm, it, it's very hard. I'm a visual person, so it's very hard for me to be happy when shit's kind of mellow. I mean, I always want it to, I always want something better in my life. I always want to, you know, strive for the next goal or strive for the next mountain and shit like that. I'm yeah. never like, I'm never trying to be chill for a minute, you know? So anyways, so yeah, I, I figured like I wanted to do something, you know, I want to live somewhere where I could go to the beach every day or, or go to the mountains every weekend, you know, and California was it. And, and, and I took the step and was like, I'm moving, you know, I mean, granted also for those who sent us here too, the company that I work for. Yeah. Um, and you know, these guys, I li they're literally right next door here. And, um, I have my studio here in LA and they have their studio right next door to me. And it's just like a couple creative dudes just, trying to you know make it as far as um the art game and as far as clothing wise you know so it's been great for us and it's been great for me too because i have creatives around me all the time you probably have a lot of connections out there too i'd assume yeah i mean for over the years as well yeah for sure i know you said that you have something in the works that you can't really talk about yet um yeah. any, anything that, that you can talk about uh i yeah i'm released well since this COVID shit's been going on, bro. Um, I've been releasing online for a while now, like the past couple weeks. I've been releasing like 
like 10 paintings, original paintings, not like prints, original right. paintings, like for a low price is like from like anywhere from like 200 to $400. <clears throat> and I'll release about 10 like a week, you know, like do like a soft launch. And um, I've been doing that. So I got a release this week coming up. I don't know when you're air airing this, but um, I got one coming up on Thursday here. I'm just working on collections, you know, as far as like things that interest me like i just did a collection called happy trails where it was all like western vibes you know mm -hmm. and i kind of wanted to do it because i had just moved out here to the west coast you know and i'm looking at more like palm trees and cactuses and desert and sh stuff like that so i kind of want to do a vibe with that and now i'm doing a collection now where it's called eve of destruction and obviously it has to do with like you know the whole shit that's going on right now with covid yeah. and it's got a lot of hidden political you know agenda to it as well and in, yeah. in the paintings yeah so i mean you can see one right behind you right here yeah yeah it says it says free free doom <laughs> with a skull with with a barbed wire so, so if somebody follows you on instagram will they be will they know when you're releasing art for sale dude i think i make probably 95 percent of my sales off of instagram okay yeah, so I mean, if they follow me at Terry Urban, you know, yeah, you can figure out, you know, when I release stuff. Also, at for those who send as well, the, the clothing brand that I work with closely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're releasing shit all the time, dude. We 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 don't do like seasonal releases. We do, you know, when we want to put it out, we put it out. Do you limit if you put up a print that is popular? Do you always have like a limited run on prints? Yeah, you do. You're supposed to do like, you know, whatever, however many you want, like 50 to 100 or 200, whatever you want to do. And usually people sell prints for like, you know, like 150 bucks or something like that. But I don't like, I mean, prints are, prints are cool and all, but I feel like I'm not there yet as an artist, you know? I think I need to be a little bit more popular to when I, I release a set of prints that are like 100 prints and they sell out like, that you know but i don't think i'm doing that i did it i did a long i did a run a long time ago and i was just wasn't ready for it yet and i don't think my my fan base my was ready for it as well you know so what i've been doing lately is i've been painting originals you know one of one originals so so people can have something that's just on their whatever's hanging on their walls is only from one me. of a kind one of a kind shit yeah so if they, if they bought a painting, how does it, how do they, this is probably a stupid question, but how do they get it from you? Like, do you just throw it in the mail? Yeah, dude. I, uh, I mean, I sell a lot of my stuff on, um, on Instagram, you know, and then they just click the link to my website, which is terryurban.com. And they, uh, you know, they order whatever they want and then I get the package or I, sh I package it up and ship it out, dude. I mean, is it like special what? special packaging? I mean, how do you how do you send a painting in the mail? Well, normally, normally what I'm doing is is I'm not I'm not selling big ass paintings because, well, I mean sometimes I do though, but if I if I am selling a big ass painting, I'm boxing it up myself, my dude. Yeah, uh, I used to be a home remodeler way back in the day with my father, so I, I'm kind of good with the hands, you know. So I'm able to like make boxes and like wood boxes and stuff like that. So. Okay. I'm basically shipping in all the shit out myself, yeah. I was going to say, because if someone's spending, like, thousands of dollars, there's got to be some, like, thought going into how to get Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. 
um, especially if it's going overseas, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm very smart with my uh, shipping. I usually paint stuff for people that's able to be rolled up, you know, and then yeah. shipped in a tube or, okay. or small enough to where it fits in an envelope or like a, a, a soft package of some sort, you know. Okay. That's but cool. yeah, shipping, shipping is a, it's a headache, bro. <laughs> I'm it's sure. Yeah. I used to sell records and that was a pain enough selling records on eBay to like kids in Japan who were like super picky if like the package showed up with like a wrinkle in it. You know what I mean? Absolutely, dude. The Japanese are crazy with their mint condition. Right. So yeah. I ended up just, I got out of that because it was just too hardcore for me. <laughs> yeah, man. Those, yeah. The Japanese are great. I mean, the Japanese are wonderful people, but you know, us Americans, we, we take the line right here, you know, and the Japanese, they just push way past us yeah, right. as far as anything, you know? Yep. Um, I'm going to let you go in a minute, but before I do, yeah, since you obviously are into music, what, uh, what's your soundtrack like when you, uh, do you listen to music when you're painting? Dude, this is so crazy that you asked that. I'm glad that you did ask that is because when I used to DJ and I would go home, and like just chill out i would never ever listen to music or when i was in going to uh the train to jump on the train you know everybody's got their headphones in i didn't never have my headphones in i never listened to music when i dj but now that i paint dude i cannot paint quiet i have to i have to have music on constantly all the time And and it ranges from anywhere from cold train to to misfits to whoever do you know what i'm saying so it's it can be anything that i that i'm feeling that day i think what happens this has happened to me too when i take a when my djing takes a back seat because i'm busy doing other things like like these days I'm, i'm busy doing other stuff um you start listening to music and instead of just looking for the song that you know you can play in the club Yep. You just start listening to everything and realizing like how much good music is out there. And it doesn't Absolutely. matter if it's like 95 BPMs with like a perfect drum break. You know what I mean? Absolutely, dude. I agree with you 100% on that because um, I was thinking about maybe DJing and doing artwork together, like for like a Instagram live, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, well, then I'll put a set together. And I was starting to put songs together that i like right now and i'm like dude nobody's gonna know this shit or even like this stuff right you know yeah so so it was it's 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 great for me now you know because what you're explaining you know like every, every time you like download songs you're like okay this is this is my 95 bpm category you know right yeah but now i don't give a shit anymore i'm, I'm over here listening to mac demarco and shit like that, yeah know? right it's great yeah very liberating once you stop DJ. It is, it is. I'm I'm so happy right now with the way life is going for me right now as far as art and just being able to listen to whatever I want and not have to worry about a full dance floor anymore. Right. Right. Um all right. Well hey man, I really appreciate you sitting down with me. Anything uh last uh you want to shout out or I mean thank you for having me, Brad. Um I just just check out my website, terryurban.com and also my Instagram at terryurban. Cool. What about your what about your um your TikTok? Do you have a TikTok? <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> but all, all the all the young kids that I hang out with here, they're like, you gotta get a TikTok. <laughs> all right. I love it. All right, man. Well, hey, big yeah. guys, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Thank right, you. Cheers. Yep. All right.